Good morning. Also, Happy New Year. <laughs> I um, I'll, Good morning if you're joining us online, too. Some people who just rolled out of bed and were still able to join us. Uh, it is my last Sunday with you guys. And I haven't known what to say in leaving. And for so long, any time that I preach or teach uh, whatever it is that the Lord wants to say or has to say starts stirring in my heart weeks before, I get to sit with it. I get to ponder it. I get to chew on it. I get to let it speak to me before it speaks to anybody else. I've known that this day was coming for weeks now, uh, weeks, <laughs> and it's been time to let whatever it is that the Lord has to say through me start to bubble up, uh, but nothing was bubbling up. And panic didn't really set in until yesterday. <laughs> and people kept asking me, like, what are you preaching on? I don't know. Um, and, I w and I was still struggling to find what the Lord wanted to say. Lord, what do you have to say? But as is often his way, he turns our questions around on us. And he said, Julia, what do you want to say? So this isn't going to be a typical sermon. Uh, you all know that I generally don't go for that three-point style anyway, so why start now? But this is a chance for me to say goodbye in the best way that I know how. I want to talk about the faithfulness of the Lord. I want to encourage you. I want to call you to task. I want to exhort you to be faithful people, to listen to the Lord, to obey him, to keep doing it. I want to leave you in the best way that I know how, and that is to point you to the Lord. If you know anything about me, you know that that's what I'm going to do. I was 16 the first time that I felt the Lord place on my heart the, de the desire to preach, to share his word in front of a crowd. 16. What do you know at 16? <laughs> Not much. So I brushed it off. I took it as like the wanderings of my own imagination or even arrogant ambition. Who doesn't want to stand up in front of a crowd and be recognized? Who am I to do something like that? Especially at 16. But that thought was persistent, invasive even. If you live a life with the Holy Spirit, you know that feeling of just like, leave me alone, I get it. And so I said, all right, Lord, if this is something that's from you, then you will have to be the one to work it out, like a challenge, as though he can't. And you guys, let me just tell you, the Lord loves being the one to work things out. He's very good at it. But because he invites us into partnership with him, I started to take steps of willingness Small acts of obedience. I'll go here. I'll join this. I'll be a part of these people. I'll share ideas. I'll be receptive to any, to any chance or change of direction or anything that he brings. 
I was 17 years old, the first time that I got to share the gospel in front of a large crowd. A junior in high school, speaking with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit in front of my classmates and peers. It was not an easy road to get there. People get really stuck on gender and who can and can't preach the gospel. And it hasn't been an easy road since. But the one thing that has been consistent, the one common theme that has been present throughout this journey of my life over the past 20 plus years is that the Lord is faithful. There's a... There's a picture of an old book, if you want to throw that up on the screen. It's called Julia and the Hand of God. I found this book when I was 17, or rather this book found me, but that's a different story. Julia and the Hand of God. It's been a moment that the Lord has brought me back to over and over and over again. I call it a burning bush moment. One of those moments in your life where you know that you know that you know that the Lord has showed up and met you. And he has used that moment to speak truth in life to me over the past 21 years. You can bring that picture down, that's okay. Julia and the hand of God, remember. It's what he comes in and says, not Julia and the hand of God up to a certain point and then Julia on her own which is sometimes what it feels like, especially as I'm moving into the unknown. But he has never let me go. He has never let me slip from his hand. He has never been surprised by the things that happen in my life. He is not caught off guard. I have never been outside the scope of his reach. Through confusion and heartbreak and disappointed expectations and mountaintop experiences and the high highs and the low lows, he has never left me alone. Julia with God. But more importantly, God with Julia. And that message, that moment was not just for me. God with Julia and no one else. That's not what I'm saying here. Those moments are never just for us. When Moses met God at the burning bush, it was not just for the sake of himself to have a cool experience. It was for the the sake of the people suffering back in Egypt who needed to know that God saw them and was about to make himself known and present to them. It is not just God with Julia. It is God with you. It is God with you with us. Every moment, every relationship, every space that you occupy, it is God with you. And he gave me that moment nearly 22 years ago in the library at Western Boone Junior Senior High School, the most mundane of places, as a testament to how faithful he is. Faithful and consistent and able to bring about what he will bring about regardless of whatever obstacle stands in the way. And I need to know that, and you need to know that. We don't just go bashing around through life on our own, hoping that somehow it works out, and we often do that, even as people of God. But we get to go through life in partnership 
with the Lord, the one who brings things out of nothing, the one who gives beauty for ashes, the one who is faithful to complete the good work he has started in you. Our task is to remember that that is true, that it's true, and to live like it. Paul prays for us in Ephesians 1.19. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead for us every day. Romans 8.11 tells us that this spirit, this spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. God with us. Don't ever forget that. Wherever you go, whatever you do, when we leave this building, don't ever forget that. As we think about this, I'm reminded of Deuteronomy 6. And Deuteronomy, Moses is about, in Deuteronomy, Moses is about to give the law for the second time. A generation has died off. A new generation in Israel gets to inherit the promise of the promised land. And they need the law. They need to understand what the Lord was about. And they need to understand who he was to them and what they were to be to him. And this is what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6. He, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gives the Ten Commandments. It's the famous ten. And in Deuter, he's, he's still talking about the commitment to the Lord. And in Deuteronomy 6, 4, he says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's what life with God looks like. You talk about it. You think about it. You write about it. You remind yourselves and you remind each other. You tell your children, this is who the Lord is. This is what he has done. And you teach your children about the faithfulness of God and how to look for it themselves. And you keep it in front of you and we keep it in front of each other. And we don't stop doing it wholehearted commitment that's what we're called to in a life with God that's why I'm leaving the community that I love because I love him more and when he says it's time for the next thing even though I don't know what that next thing is I trust him and I'm gonna go where he says and that's the example I want to leave with you. 
Wherever I go, whatever I do, whoever I end up around, I will keep his faithfulness in front of me all the days of my life. And I will talk about it as long as I have breath in my lungs. And that's the call to you too. Ryan, you can come back up. We're about to enter a time of communion. I think it's appropriate for the first day of the year. And I think it's appropriate, an appropriate time to remember his faithfulness. And we're marking the beginning of a new year. Last year on January 1st, I could not fathom what the year held for me. The great joy and power displayed by the Lord and his faithfulness, but also the great sorrow that comes with change and transition and leaving. I certainly did not know I would be leaving my job a year ago. I did not know I'd be heading into the unknown. And maybe some of you are in the same place. This year may have held surprises and events that you could never have anticipated. Maybe it has left you feeling depleted, traumatized, grieving, or even in the midst of the unknown. Maybe the year was one of joy and gain. A lot of people got married this year. A lot of people had babies. And that's reason to celebrate. Unexpected blessings, new directions, new jobs, new friendships. Often, life is a mixture of joy and sorrow. And it's the tension of living with both. And the beauty of the communion table is that it is a display of joy and sorrow. What Jesus did on the cross, he did for the joy set before him. It wasn't without sorrow. And when we participate in communion, we are participating in that joy and sorrow. The joy of the life that comes with Christ and the life that will come with the new heaven and new earth and the sorrow that comes with still living in a broken world that is aching for the return of Christ. I have a book called Every Moment Holy and it's a book full of liturgies for everyday events of life. The highs, the lows, the mundanes, there are two volumes, and the second volume is full of liturgies for grief and loss, for every kind of moment you can think of. And I found one that is called a liturgy for embracing both joy and sorrow. And I think it's a good call to the people of God. I think it's the right space for us to occupy on this first day of the year. And I want to read it to you, and it's kind of long, but you know that I don't make apologies for that. So I want to invite you 
into a space of contemplation. I want to invite you to maybe close your eyes and just sit and listen as we live in the tension of what it means to hold both joy and sorrow. A liturgy for embracing both joy and sorrow. Do not be distant, O Lord, lest I find this burden of loss too heavy and shrink from the necessary experience of my grief. Do not be distant, O Lord, lest I become so mired in yesterday's hurts that I miss entirely the living gifts this day might hold. Let me neither ignore my pain, pretending all is okay when it isn't, nor coddle and magnify my pain so that I dull my capacity to experience all that remains good in this life. For joy that denies sorrow is neither hard-won, nor true, nor eternal. It is not real joy at all. And sorrow that refuses to make space for the return of joy and hope in the end becomes nothing more than a temple for the worship of my own woundedness. So give me strength, O oh God, to feel this grief deeply, never to hide my heart from it, and give me also hope enough to remain open to the surprising encounters with joy, as one on a woodland path might stumble suddenly into dapplings of golden light. Amidst the pain that lades these days, give me courage, O Lord, courage to live them fully, to love and to allow myself to be loved, to remember, grieve, and honor what was, to live with thanksgiving in what is, and to invest in the hope of what will be. Be at work gilding these long heartbreaks with the advent of new joys, good friendships, true fellowships, unexpected delights. Remind me again and again and again of your goodness, your presence, your promises. For this is who we are, a people of the promise a people shaped in the image of the God whose very being generates all joy in the universe, yet who also weeps and grieves its brokenness. So we, your children, are also at liberty to lament our losses, even as we simultaneously rejoice in the hope of their coming restoration. Let me learn now, O oh Lord, to do this as naturally as the inhale and exhale of a single breath. To breathe out sorrow, to breathe in joy, to breathe out lament, to breathe in hope, to breathe out pain, to breathe in comfort, to breathe out sorrow, to breathe in joy, to breathe out joy. In one hand, I grasp the burden of my grief, while with the other, I reach for the hope of grief's redemption. And here, between the tension of the two, between what was and what will be, and the very is of now, 
Let my heart be surprised by, shaped by, warmed by, remade by the same joy that forever wells within and radiates from your heart. What is the Lord saying to you right now? As he invites you to the communion table, as Ryan leads us in more songs, as you're free to get up and move around this space and come to the prayer benches or gather with one another, go back to the table, receive the elements of communion. What is he saying to you right now? Where you, in this space of communion, where you get to eat and drink as a member of his body, his community, his life with you. What is he saying right now? I want to leave you with one more thing before we enter into the space of communion. There is a banner on the prayer room wall, and it's a paraphrase of Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. And Lamentations is a short book. It was written by the prophet Jeremiah after he witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem. It's terrible. And he had the audacity to say this. He said, yet hope returns when I remember this one thing. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue, fresh as the morning, sure as the sunrise. The Lord is all I have, and so in him I put my hope. Be faithful people. Feed on the Lord's unfailing love and mercy and keep doing it. I love you very much. Very much. Let me pray over you before we go into communion. Lord, what a gift it is to be a part of your people. The people that you set in motion all the way back with Abraham. When you called him to look at the stars as an example of how many descendants he would have, and we are part of those people. Your faithfulness has carried your people through the millennia. Your consistency, your love, your invitation to draw near is what sustains us. Sure is the sunrise. As we enter into the space of communion, as we hold the tension of joy and sorrow, we thank you that you meet us in this space. 
that you are a God who feels the tension of joy and sorrow. Teach us what it is to be faithful, to love one another, to be loved by one another, to love you, to be loved by you. As we walk out our lives, as we go our ways, every space that we occupy, every moment that we're in, you are in that moment. God with us. Help us to live like that's true. We love you. We thank you for the invitation into communion with you. We thank you for the start of a new year. Teach us what you have to teach us. Equip us to go where you call us. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we are able to stand before you and pray.